Hey, everybody. Godzilla vs. Kong is coming out at the end of the month, which means I get to capitalize on some synergy by going back and revisiting a film I watched during my childhood, 1962's King Kong vs. Godzilla. Such synergy. It's kind of worth a like, don't you think? Maybe even a comment or subscribe. Just click it and forget it. I don't care. No, no, actually, I, I, I do care. Please, please come back and watch more IRMC videos. First, let's do this one, yeah? So I'm flying solo on this one. No Devin, just Kevin. This one does come a little bit before Devin's time, to which you may ask, Kevin, this movie came out in 1962. How old are you? And I say, a lady never tells. So this movie is pretty much everything you'd expect it to be, which is to say it is very very dated. There are a couple of interesting special effects here and there, some charming moments of yesteryear, but for the most part, I was just sitting there thinking, can we get to the big fight already? But we didn't get to the big fight because we had to spend some time on our story first. So at the start of things in King Kong vs. Godzilla, it's It's the the future. future. English is now the universal language a la Star Trek, and the UN is a space station or something. And this guy here is telling us what's going on. We're going to see a lot of this guy. All of this stuff in the movie really sticks out because it was added for the American release of the film, and it's just one big exposition dump every time this guy comes on screen. Even with all this stuff, or maybe it's because of this stuff breaking up the flow of the movie, the plot still feels like it's missing some beats, but... Whatever, I mean, it's all just one big build-up to the big monster showdown. So, what is going on in this thing is we've got a chemicals company or a pharmaceuticals company, I don't remember exactly, but the point is, it's some sort of company that definitely shouldn't have a TV station that has a TV station, and the ratings are down. Way down. So the head of the company sends his two peons here to this remote Faroe Island to go find a monster. Because there are rumors that there's some sort of big, big guy on the island and the natives worship him like a god. Also, there's these magic berries on the island that Exposition Man describes as non-habit-forming narcotics. Nice. Now, if this movie came out today, the CEO character would probably be a megalomaniac with some evil secret agenda where he wants to take over the world or use the yet unknown monster to get a big defense contract or something. But no. In this, they're all just pretty much portrayed as lighthearted and wacky businessmen who want to fight back in the Japanese TV ratings wars. In fact, the CEO of the company, this guy here, is played by Ichiro Arishima, I think I'm saying that right, whose Wikipedia page describes him as the Japanese Charlie Chaplin. So, pretty likable guy, probably. Anyway, so he sends these two guys here to Faroe Island, and they're buds, but also one of them is dating the other guy's sister or something, and that's like... The plot of the movie with the humans, I guess. I don't know. Who cares? They get to the island and they encounter a little bit of racism. But that's okay, because they also brought a little bit of racism in the form of this character here. It's a sort of minstrel-like guide that I guess is Japanese cinema copying racist tropes of Hollywood. I'm not an expert on Japanese cinema, but I don't think this kind of character would be part of Japanese culture. I don't know. I don't know for sure. Everybody's a little bit racist, I guess. It was the 1960s. I, yeah, it's, but it's not great. So anyway, moving on. (laughs) Their god is, you guessed it, King Kong. 
Kong fights off a big octopus who is trying to steal Kong's stash of berry juice. The berry juice is the same narcotic berry juice that makes him super strong, but also makes him very sleepy. And after the fight, Kong drinks a bunch of it, which puts him right to sleep, allowing the businessman to put him right on a raft and start heading towards better ratings, baby. Meanwhile, completely unrelated, a U.S. submarine discovers Godzilla in an iceberg in the Arctic. And he's a little pissed. He's heading towards Japan because the ancient Call of the Wild or something, and it's full steam ahead to Monster Monster Showdown. So then more stuff happens. Godzilla gets to Japan. King Kong wakes up on his raft. They're both a little grumpy, understandably, I guess. But they eventually are able to get Kong caught up in a bunch of weather balloons. And in what is undoubtedly the best shot of the movie, they float him over to fight Godzilla at Mount Fuji. Um, So one thing that struck me as odd in this film is that they make a point of saying they aren't sure what Godzilla is and no one has seen him before, but... Also, every character seems to recognize him and know that he must be stopped before he destroys the world. If we do not destroy Godzilla soon, the monster will destroy us all. Maybe this is some sort of disconnect between like the American added scenes and the original version, but it's pretty confusing. Um, I don't know, like, how do they know he's going to destroy the world if they don't know what he is? It's like, have you tried talking to him? Maybe he just needs a Snickers. But anyway, that would be no fun. So they send in King Kong, and this sets up a fight that is billed as brawn versus brains, which is a little surprising because both of them are giant, super strong monsters. And the fight's pretty back and forth, which is surprising considering a minute ago Kong was bested by a bunch of balloons. Uh, Everyone's rooting for Kong in the movie, uh, who does have more personality, but Godzilla's kind of the flashier monster with the radioactive fire breath and all. And, you know, they duke it out on Mount Fuji, and it's pretty fun. It still looks terrible by today's standards, don't get me wrong, but it has a certain charm to it. It's kind of, it's cute. It's cute. It's a cute moment. Um, the fight ends when they both fall into the ocean, causing this massive earthquake, and only one of them emerges, and it's Kong. Kong wins the fight. Godzilla is said to be nowhere to be found. It's kind of insinuated that he's... Dead but not forgotten. He'll he'll be back. He'll be back. There'll be more movies with Godzilla. Don't worry. But as a kid, I remember watching this and I was really disappointed by this ending because I was exposed to these movies because myself and my younger brother would watch Godzilla movies. And in most Godzilla movies, Godzilla was the hero. You know, he'd fight the smog monster or Mecha Godzilla or whoever. And then this movie, you watch it, you think, okay, it's Kong, King Kong, he's like smaller. He doesn't have like any kind of like superpowers other than being strong. And he's like this little guy in a monkey costume, but he shows up and kills Godzilla. And not only that, but he kills him by just falling into the ocean. Super disappointing. I did hear at the time, like I remembered seeing this, it might have even said it on the box or something like that, where in the Japanese version of the film, Godzilla was the one who won the fight, and he emerged from the water. KO! But this turned out, this was just a myth, a really well-circulated myth that lasted for years and years. And when the film was made, Godzilla was primarily a villain in Japan, and his creator, Toho, always intended for Kong to win at the end of the film. And so, basically what you have is a story about King Kong, who fought an octopus ate a bunch of berry juice, and then took a nap and woke up strapped to some weather balloons. 
on his way to fight Godzilla. And now at the end of the movie, he has to swim several hundred miles back to his Faroe Island home. I guess the moral of this story is don't do drugs or you might wake up and have to fight Godzilla and then no one will give you a ride home. I don't know. It's a pretty strong cautionary tale, if you ask me. And yeah, I guess this ruined my childhood. Though it's like I'm less upset about it and more just impressed with myself for being able to watch this multiple times as a child without being bored to tears. Like, pat on my back for that. Anyway, that's the episode. Leave a like. Watch some more episodes. We've got a decent number now. They're good. They're good. We get some are better than others, but, you know, they're all worth a watch. I think they're all worth a, worth a look-see. Got Hocus Pocus, Mighty Ducks. Return to Oz, that's a good one. Just check them out. Okay, okay, I'm done talking now.